All right. We're in 1 Samuel chapter 31 tonight. And uh, it kind of doesn't always work this way, but we just ended our Friends of Jesus series on Sunday morning, and now we're ending our series on Saul tonight, Lord willing. And uh, would anybody like to guess how many messages we've went over through Saul, what number this is? How many, how many Saul messages have we had? Yeah, close. 30, 30, this is the 34th one. So we've been at this for a while, and, uh, and we're, we've learned, hopefully learned some stuff about Saul. And I got another character we're going to do a study of, character study starting um, two weeks from tonight. So uh, you'll have to come and see who that is. Somebody. It's somebody in the Bible. I'll give you a hint. Okay. <laughs> First Samuel 31. The death of Saul is what we're going to talk about tonight. It was one of humiliation. It was one of reproach. But it's interesting that his death fit his life. Uh, do you remember Balaam, the prophet that uh, Balak the king tried to hire Balaam to curse Israel, and Balaam wanted to do it because of the money that was involved, and and uh, he was a prophet after prophet, prophet speaker, prophet prfot. So he wanted to, he was a prophet for prophet, and uh, he wanted to get that money, and so he asked, and and uh, he was not able to do it. So one of his prayers in Numbers twenty three ten was, "Let me die the death of the righteous." That's a good request, isn't it? Uh, living right is good, is obviously the most important, but it's a good thing to die right too, I think. I mean, it's not something we think about too much, but let me die the death of the righteous. But he didn't die the death of the righteous. He was killed with the wicked Midianites in Numbers chapter 31. And Balaam failed to recognize to die the life of the righteous, you've got to live, to die the death of the righteous, you've got to live the life of the righteous. And you can't, you can't live like a scoundrel and a, a wicked man and, and have a good death. So Saul, uh, is the same is true for him. He did not live the life of the righteous, so he didn't die the death of the righteous. And uh, his death was a result of suicide after he was injured in war. And his death was shameful, which was a culmination of a shameful life lived, which we've seen. But there is, at the very end, a really bright, shining light that I want to show you tonight. I never even saw this till I was doing this study this week, so uh, I thought it was a great way to end uh, what we've been talking about. Uh, let's uh, read here, First Samuel 31. Now the Philistines fought against Israel, and the men of Israel fled from before the Philistines and fell down slaying in Mount Gilboa. And the Philistines followed hard upon Saul and upon his sons. And the Philistines slew Jonathan and Abinadab and Malchishua, Saul, Saul's sons. And the battle went sore against Saul, and the archers hit him, and he was sore wounded of the archers. Then said Saul unto his armor-bearer, Draw thy sword, and thrust me through therewith, lest these uncircumcised come and thrust me through and abuse me. But his armor-bearer would not, for he was sore afraid. Therefore Saul took a sword and fell upon it. When his armor-bearer saw that Saul was dead, he fell likewise upon his sword and died with him. So Saul died, and his three sons, and his armor-bearer, and all his men that same day together. And when the men of Israel that were on the other side of the valley and they that were on the other side Jordan saw that the men of Israel fled and that Saul and his sons were dead, they forsook the cities and fled, and the Philistines came and dwelt in them. And it came to pass on the morrow, and the Philistines came to strip the slain, that they found Saul and his three sons fallen in Mount Gilboa. They cut off his head, stripped off his armor, sent it into the land of the Philistines round about to publish it in the house of their idols. That's important. And among the people, and they put his armor in the house of Ashtaroth, and they fastened his body to the wall of Bethshan. 
When the inhabitants of Jabesh-Gilead heard of what the Philistines had done to Saul, all the valiant men arose and went all night and took the body of Saul, the bodies of his sons from the wall, wall of Bethshan, and came to Jabesh and burnt them there. They took their bones and buried them under a tree and fasted seven days. Father, I pray you'd help us as we wrap this up. Help us tonight to be challenged from your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, we see the details of his death here. He uh, died in a losing war against the Philistines. We see in verse 3, the battle's going against him. The archers hit him. He was sore wounded, so he got, he got shot by one of the archers. And uh, this, in this battle with the Philistines, he was already very concerned about it. It was a bad battle. This is the one that sent him to the witch to try to get some help. We talked about last week. And so the soldiers found him, and they shot him with an arrow. Now, in battle, obviously, soldiers would be looking for the top man, so this was quite a coup because you take out the top, the head of the snake, usually the rest of the body dies. And so uh, they, they would demoralize, and that's just what happened with Saul and his army. But that was the shooting of Saul. Then we see the suicide, verses 3 through 5. He was sore wounded of the archers. Then said Saul unto his armor-bearer, Draw thy sword and thrust me through therewith, lest these uncircumcised come and thrust me through and abuse me. Of course, his armor-bearer would not do it. And so Saul did it himself, fell on his own sword. Saul realized that his wounds were bad. He realized he would not survive this. And to avoid further pain and shame, he would end it all with suicide. And uh, what a... I did a little reading on it, and it's interesting. Brad was telling me his, his neighbor died this week that way. And uh, um, it, it, suicide's such a tragedy, uh, this idea of suicide. And sometimes even to live is courage. But Saul wasn't courageous. Saul was a coward, and so he took the coward's way out. Suicide is so devastating because it's a permanent solution to a temporary problem. And uh, what, a, what a terrible thing suicide is to those that it leaves behind. Overall, last year, 49,449 Americans committed suicide. That's 135 people a day in our country, or five people per hour in this country commit suicide. In this country of opportunity and all it offers, what a terrible thing to consider. But Saul did this. He didn't want to be killed by the Philistines, as he called them, the uncircumcised Philistines, this would be an insult to him. And don't you remember, Saul, through his whole life, was very concerned about his image. He was uh, big in making sure that his social media profiles were just right. You know, he'd have been that type of guy. Uh, whether or not his life matched up didn't matter, but he wanted his public image to be very good. And so he's very concerned about that. And he was more concerned about what people thought about him than what God thought about him. And that's how he lived his life. And now he's still concerned about it. He's so concerned here about his personal honor that he would commit the sin of suicide rather than let them come and take him out. Saul's armor bearer did not obey the order to kill him. Obviously, he did not believe in assisted suicide either, uh, which is a good thing. He'd have no part in finishing off the king of Israel, and, and his refusal was commendable. It's a good thing that he didn't do that. Like David, remember, twice did not touch the Lord's anointed. Later, an Amalekite, in the next the beginning of 2 Samuel here, Malachite comes to impress David and says he's responsible for killing Saul. It says he found him wounded and he killed him. Uh, he wanted to impress David or get on his good side. And David had him killed for it. Uh, that didn't turn out the way he expected it would. But uh, because the Malachite showed disrespect for the Lord's anointed, uh, which was very important to David. 
Now, look at verse 4. So Saul took a sword and fell upon it. When his armor bearer saw that Saul was dead, he fell likewise upon his sword and died with him. Saul's actions through his life we have seen over and over inspired other people to do wrong. And now, even in his death, it inspires other people to do wrong. Saul never set an example for doing good, or rarely set an example for doing good, doing right. And more people will be influenced by your bad behavior than they will be by your good behavior. You know that to be true if you've ever raised kids. I didn't teach them to do that. And they do that like you do that. You know, they act like you. That's a terrible thing, isn't it? When they act like, well, in my house, they act like their mother. But, you know, it's, you know what I'm talking about. So, uh, but the, the most annoying things about your children is when you see your bad traits in them. And you never have to teach them that because people learn more from your bad habits than do your good habits. Uh, many Israelites, we see the slayings with Saul here, uh, if you're keeping notes, the shooting of Saul, the suicide of Saul, then the slaying with Saul, because many Israelites here, uh, along with him, died in this battle. Soldiers died. Uh, the Bible says in verse 1, the men of Israel fled and fell down slain in Mount Gilboa. And so in the first seven verses, just to give you an idea of, of, the, of the general attitude of this time, you find the words fled, verse 7 twice, fell, verse 4 and verse 5, and forsook, verse 7. This kind of characterizes how the battle was going for the Israelites. Not good. It was not going well at all for them. Not a pretty scene. And uh, it is, though, a result of poor leadership, which is what Saul comes back to him. What John Maxwell, how many times he said, everything rises and falls on leadership. And Saul provided poor leadership. And so the, this is a messed up army he's got. Things are going horrible. By the way, it was the opposite for David. Uh, when David became king, things got turned around big time because he had good leadership. And then not only the soldiers, but the sons. Uh, verse 2, uh, his three sons died. The sins of the parents often hurt the, the children. And they go to the next generation. Saul's disobedience to God resulted in three of his sons dying in battle here. And the greatest loss of all those would be Jonathan. He was one of, he was one of the best men that Israel had, whether they recognized it or not. And, uh, but he died too. Our influence on others is greater than we realize. It, it's, it helps us if we understand that and realize there's somebody watching Somebody's listening. Somebody's emulating what you do and what you say. And so we have that influence. And when we sin, we bring more harm on others than we might first realize. Then uh, we see the desertion after his death. Verse 7, And when the men of Israel that were on the other side of the valley, and they that were on the other side of Jordan, saw the men of Israel fled, and Saul and his sons were dead, they forsook the cities and fled, and the Philistines came and dwelt with them. Things were not going well in Israel, obviously. And so the defeat caused many of the Israelites to cross over Jordan to the eastern side for safety. This desertion, I'm sure there were some soldiers involved, but it's mainly focusing on the citizens here. Uh, when they saw the battle go against Israel, they fled their homes to what they thought was safety. And they had earlier deserted the Lord when they demanded a king. Now they deserted the land as a consequences of having a king. Isn't that interesting? There's a study that I did years ago, I think maybe it was a college student. Do a study sometime on, the, on Israel's enemies. Israel's enemies almost all started with Israel. You have uh, Lot's, remember the Moab? The Moabites came from Lot. He was, uh, he was the, with his daughter's sin, and the Moabites were all, 
and you just go one after the other after the other. Uh, uh, the enemies of Israel were a result of their own sin. And here you see that again. Uh, they, they were just fine following Samuel, but they demanded a king. They got a king, and now they're a mess. So what happens when you go against God's way? He's got, he's got, uh, the, uh, he's got the perfect layout for your life, and if we just follow in it, we'll be so much better off. There's a price tag for turning away from the commands of God. Samuel had warned them in uh, chapter 8, verse 18, Ye shall cry out in that day because of your king which ye have chosen. Now here it's happening. They're crying out in this day. The people's stubbornness cost them their land and because sin always extracts a great price. Number seven, they forsook the cities and fled and the Philistines came and dwelt in them. So now this comes full circle. The Israelites thought that they were demanding a protector when they wanted a king. We want a king so he'll go fight the battles and we'll have this protection. But in, in so doing, they lost everything. So they got what they wanted, but they lost what they had. They, they, they thought they were getting something that they ended up not getting. That's always Satan's lie to you when he demands that you go your own way. It was under David, the man that Saul tried to kill, that Israel finally got its land back from the Philistines, which would happen later. Look at the disgrace of his death here. The loss of the battle, the land, the soldiers, the sons, and, and then the king himself resulted in a loss of honor, not only for Israel, but for the king as well. Uh, look at verse 8. came to pass on the morrow when the Philistines came to strip the slain. They found Saul and his three sons. They cut off his head, stripped off his armor, sent it to the land of the Philistines. They fastened his body to the wall of Bethlehem. He had been so worried about being insulted or uh, abused by the Philistines that he committed suicide. And what happened? He was still abused and insulted by the Philistines. When they found his body, they cut off his head. They sent the head to the land of the Philistines along with his armor. Then they fastened his body. This is all for humiliation, all to show that they, they were victorious. Uh, they, this is uh, in Bethshin. This is a few miles west of Jordan. It's about 12 miles south of the Sea of Galilee. Look, Matthew Henry put, made a great statement. Saul killed himself to avoid being abused by the Philistines and never was a royal corpse so abused as he was. He, he, he that thinks to save his honor by sin will always lose it. It's a tremendous truth. Thinking he was going to save his honor by doing wrong, he lost it even worse. Not only was it a disgrace for him, it was a disgrace for the Lord. Look at verse 9. To publish it in the house of their idols. They put his armor, in verse 10, in the house of uh, Ashtaroth there. So the disgrace for God was tremendous when they basically uh, came and advertised this uh, in, in their church, so to speak. I mean, it wasn't a church, but you know what I'm saying, in their, in their temples. So what this did is it made their idols look more mighty and more powerful than God. It's a terrible testimony. Because of Saul's sin and his wickedness and his weakness, he allows God to be dishonored greatly. What a terrible dishonor it would be to the Lord. And it came as a result of continued disobedience. Same thing will happen in our life. If we're continually disobedient, we'll cause great dishonor against God. Uh, Psalm 51, verse 4, David realized this later. This was his, after his sin with Bathsheba. He came back. He said, against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, talking to the Lord. Recognizing sin is against God, ultimately. But here's something that happens, um, is interesting. We've seen how Saul's evil sowing all throughout his life caused him to reap evil. 
over and over and over. Uh, here, we're going to see how Saul's good sowing resulted in good reaping once, all the times I found in his life. He did a lot. Uh, he, he didn't do much good. So there wasn't much good sowing. No, not much good seed was sown by Saul. So, but what he did one time paid off big. It resulted in the restoration of his dignity. And uh, it shows us and proves again, it does pay to do right. And it does not pay to do wrong. Let's look at, let's uh, kind of break it down here. I uh, want to see who got involved next. The people of Jabesh Gilead. When they heard of the, the insult to Saul's body, they decided to take action. Look at verse 11. When the inhabitants of Jabesh Gilead heard of that which the Philistines had done uh, to Saul, all the valiant men arose. So they go all night. They take the body of Saul's his sons. The, uh, the, uh, this was dangerous work, but they t undertook it anyway. It took daring. It took dedication. It was daring in that they were going up against the victorious Philistines, the ones who had won the war, basically. And the dedication is seen in that they traveled all night to do it. It always requires daring and dedication to live righteously and honorably. Any old coward like Saul can be a wicked sinner. But to do right, to live right, it takes, it takes dedication. It takes a little bit more backbone. Israel did not have many men like that in Saul's time. Uh, because he failed to inspire such conduct. You know, we see it in our country today. When you have weak, wicked leadership, you're going to have weak, wicked men all throughout the land. Uh, strong leaders inspire strong men. And so uh, these men of Jabesh Gilead, though, were the exception. They're the ones, one group that got involved. And by the way, men like them are always the exception. The good, honorable, upright, dedicated, uh, good men are always the exceptions in the crowd. Even today, they would be the exception. Uh, that, that was the gallantry. Look at the graves, 12 and 13. They took uh, the bodies there, uh, took the sons. They came to Joash. They, they burnt the bodies. They took their bones, buried them under a tree. Burning the bodies may have been done for sanitary reasons. I was trying to figure out why, what would be the meaning behind that. Don't forget, the, they've been dead for quite a while. Uh, it doesn't know exactly how long. We might be talking days or weeks here at least days, uh, possibly weeks. So burning up might just been a practical thing to do at that time. We don't need to go into deep details about that. Um, there's there's a, um, discussions we could have about that. But burying the bones of Saul and his sons did give them an honorable burial. And that's, that was their purpose. It kept their bodies from being further disgraced. Did Saul deserve an honorable burial? Not really. <laughs> Not the way he lived his life. But the men of Jabesh Gilead gave it to him anyway. Burying Saul under a tree, when I, when I saw that, made me think. Uh, we've talked two times before about Saul being under a tree when he was in his life. Both times, this was in 1 Samuel 14, 2, one time in chapter 22, verse 6, when he's talking, he's moaning, no one of you care about me. And, and uh, one time he's under a tree when he should have been busy. Uh, so both times it was not complimentary. So the man who tarried under a tree in rebellion is now buried under a tree after his death. So kind of fitting there. We see in verse 13, they fasted seven days. This would give significant dignity and honor to Saul. It marked a time for people to stop and to give Saul really an honorable mention there. And he certainly, again, did not deserve this honor, but sometimes you honor the position, not the man in the position. We ought to do that today, by the way. Um, I am no fan of some of our country's leaders, um, but I... And told to pray for them in the Bible. We're told to lift them up 
and we ought to care for their souls. Amen. So uh, this is what they did. The honor for Saul was not for his poor character, but for the position he had as king. And they didn't want to see him uh, dishonored there. And the men of Jabesh Gilead, I think, did the right thing. So why? Why? Why did the men of Jabesh Gilead get, get, Gilead get involved in this in the first place? Why were they so willing to come forward and do this? And this is kind of an exciting thing that we see just a little bit of a small bright spot in Saul that we can learn from him. Do you remember in the beginning, even before Saul was king, you remember when he rescued them from the Ammonites shortly after, or it was just before he became the king of Israel in chapter 11? It was one of, actually it was just after, it wasn't just before, it was just after he became king. It was one of the first things he did, and it was one of the most honorable acts in Saul's whole life. He went and rescued them from the Ammonites. And the folks of Jabesh Gilead never forgot Saul's deed, never forgot what he did for them. And this is an honorable thing to be said about them. But uh, by the way, we, we were, we, if, if we're saved, if we're children of God, we're saved because of somebody's work for us on the cross. We ought to forever be grateful for that too. We ought to never dishonor him for that as well. And uh, we, we should do no less than the men of Jabesh Gilead did to make sure that the Lord is honored. When we serve the Lord, we're doing it simply out of a grateful heart for what He's done for us. And uh, we should have an intense desire to see Christ honored in this world, especially not in areas we can't control a lot, but we can control what's in our life and in our home, and we ought to be about honoring the Lord. That's why we sing a song, Stand Up, Stand Up for Jesus. Amen? We want to honor Him. But... Uh, it's interesting to me, it's just a, a fitting end to the study of Saul. Over and over and over and over again. How many times in 34 messages we've talked about Saul's bad choices and they resulted in bad things happening. And then you make another bad choice and then this would happen. Ultimately, God rejected his not only his kingship but his dynasty. Nobody in his family would get to be king because of his actions. And yet here we see he not only... God, above all, is a fair God. If we reap evil, I mean, if we sow evil, we'll reap evil. But in the midst of it, if we sow good, we'll reap good. Saul sowed some good. In the very beginning, he did one very honorable thing. And now he's reaping posthumously. Is that a word? I can't remember exactly how to say. Uh, after death, he's reaping it. But uh, he's still reaping it. And I, I think it's interesting that you know, we, we've, we've been very negative on Saul because there's not much positive about him. But uh, in the one area that he did right, he reaped that too. He got good. From, and the Lord is fair with us. And the law of the harvest is very much alive in our lives. And so many times we complain about all kinds of bad things happening to us when it's the choices we've made that brought many of them onto us. And that's definitely true in Saul's life. I mean, he's trying to kill David that God chose to be the next king, who he only chose to be the next king because of his own disobedience. It wasn't God's fault that he had to choose David. It was Saul's fault. We're always wanting to project it on somebody else, though. So I, I think it's an interesting thing how, I mean, it kind of, as I was wrapping this up, I think, well, we kind of end on a positive. All this negative for Saul, for, <laughs> for these many, many messages we went through, we can kind of end on a positive that something good happened because of something good he did very early on. Verse, uh, oh, let me see. Uh, 
you don't know where this is found because I didn't write the address down, but when they came to David, um, they uh, I'll just read it. They told David, saying that the men of Jabesh-Gilead were that they that buried Saul. And David sent messengers to the men of Jabesh-Gilead, said unto them, Blessed be ye of the Lord, that ye have showed kindness unto your Lord, even unto Saul. I love David's spirit. Here's Saul trying to kill him for all that time. And he honored him twice when he could have killed him. And here he is again. Uh, sending a thank you note and a fruit basket to the men of Jabesh Gilead. Thank you. You did right. That's an honorable thing you did. And uh, he honored them for it. Um, what a fitting end to the study of Saul. During his entire life, we see the results of his wickedness. And he sowed wickedness all throughout his life, and he reaped accordingly. Then we have this reminder at the very end of his life, well, even after his life, the one good thing he did way back when came back to him also. And it will for you too. And we, we ought to be, the things that we say, the actions that we partake of, the places that we go, we ought to ask ourselves, am I reaping good? Or am, I, am, I, am I sowing good seeds or am I sowing bad seeds? Because what you sow is going to come back up. And uh, it's, if, if you plant corn, can't be expecting peaches, okay? You gotta, you're going to get what you plant. And uh, we see that so clearly in Saul's life. So that can be a good thing, by the way. Amen? If you sow right. If you sow right, then that's a good thing. If you sow bad, then that's a bad thing. By the way, um, I uh, don't grow much in the garden. But one thing I do grow is... I'm just trying to prepare for heaven, so I grow hot peppers because I know we're going to eat lots of them up there. And uh, I, I grow a lot of them. And I don't know if you grow peppers or not. I've got some habanero plants and some uh, reaper and different things. But uh, peppers is one of those things that you get a gazillion of them in one plant. And then you just pick and pick them. They just keep coming and keep coming, keep coming, keep coming. I plant one seed and I get tons of them. And that's our life too. We, I didn't do that bad, but it comes up worse. And it can also come up better if we plant right. But what we plant, what we sow, is going to come up in abundance, good or bad. Let's make the right choice. Thank you, Father, for loving us. Thank you for this.